You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. Look here. We're going to give you our reactions to the Super Bowl and also the announcement of this year's Hall of Fame class. Uh, but first, let's get right to it, our reactions to the Super Bowl uh, and where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually went ahead and won this thing, man. 31 to 9 against the Kansas City Chiefs, the first team in NFL history who has actually hosted the Super Bowl in their own stadium and the first team to actually win it in their own stadium. So uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and really congratulations to the NFL. Didn't honestly think that they would make it to this point. When they started off the season, COVID was running rampant and just didn't know how many games they would actually get through. They got Mm -hmm. through the entire season. Yes, there were some hiccups and everything where some games had to be postponed uh, for a few days or whatever the case may be, and that messed up the rest of the schedule for that week or two weeks for uh, some teams, primarily the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they played all 16 games. They played the playoffs with fans in the stands, and they went ahead and played the Super Bowl. So this was a big victory for the NFL to really pull this off in the midst of a global pandemic. Hey, congratulations to the NFL. This is this is get right to it. I predicted that the Buccaneers was going to win. I knew by them not having by the Kansas City Chiefs not having their offensive tackles. I, I had a feeling that it was going to be some form of an impact. I just didn't think it was going to be this major of an impact. I thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to score at least a touchdown. Kudos to Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Got to give him major props in what he has done or what he did against this high-powered offense who everybody thought was going to score at least a touchdown. And to that, his scheme, who did it look like? The Atlanta Falcons when they played the Chiefs. Week 16, they kept everything in front of them. Only pressure four. Kept Tyreek at bay. Let Kelsey get a couple things down the middle. Kansas City didn't make adjustments. I think Kansas City really should have run the ball a whole lot more. Let's just think about Kansas City's offense here. They only ran the ball 17 times in the entire game for 107 yards. Now, it's pretty decent average, you know, 6.3 yards a carry. But your main runner, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, ran the ball only nine times for 64 yards. Averaging 7.1 yards a carry. I'm saying you got to keep going to that. Why did you veer veer off from that? Your second leading rusher was Patrick Mahomes, who, man, they have stats on how many yards Patrick Mahomes really ran behind the line of the scrimmage, and that came up to about close to 500 yards. They had Patrick <laughs> Mahomes literally and figuratively running for his life. <laughs> Why didn't you run? And that could have set up play action for Tyreek Hill. Exactly. And you knew Mahomes was off his game. He was one of the reasons they lost that game because he was all over the place and they should have calmed him down by running the ball. And they kept having him throw and he just just wasn't on. The whole team was flat. 
Well, they were flat, but truth be told, man, I can't put that all on my homes, man. I, I got to put that on. Honestly, I have to put that on Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Oh, I'm not saying it's all him because you got to look at too. Kelsey dropped some key third down passes. Tyreek yep. Hill dropped some key passes, which he usually brings in. Mm-hmm. He dropped a touchdown pass. Exactly. So that's where I look at if you run the ball, control the clock a little bit more, calm Mahomes down. Where were the screen passes? They didn't adjust at all after half. Uh, and I would say this too, Danny. Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they did a great job of covering uh, Cheetah, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the long, the long game, the long yardage mm-hmm. game. The only minute yardage game they had really was Travis Kelsey right in the middle of the field where he actually caught the ball for 10 times for 133 yards. That was primarily in the middle of the field. I say you just keep going to that. If that's working for you, the middle of the field was wide open. Go for it. Don't go away from it. Go for it. And it would have been a good combination of a run game in the middle of the field, maybe screen mm-hmm. passes just to really kind of help set things up. You're going to have to dink and dunk. They're not giving you Tyree Kill in a long yardage game. Just take what they're giving you. And you could have done something with that to set it up, set up possibly a, a long passing play in all. So Ty Bowles outcoached Eric Bieniemy and, oh, all Andy day. and Andy Reid. The key moments in that second quarter that really cost them that game was the first one when it was 7-3 to when Matthew picked the ball. And they called that lame holding penalty on one of the DBs, which was huge because Tampa Bay ended up going down and scoring to make it 14 to three after all that. Cause that's where the referee got a little out of hand. Cause they were calling some ticky tack stuff. So then they go down it's 14 to six Kansas city starts calling timeouts. Tampa Bay was cool with just running the clock out to go into halftime up 14 to six. And Andy Reid calls that timeout, those two timeouts. Tampa Bay gets the first down. They end up going, Antonio Brown gets that touchdown right before half. You go in 14 six, you get the ball, you get the kickoff at half. It's a different ball game. All so day. that whole end of that second quarter, even though they're flat and weren't playing well, they still had a chance. And then once they went down 21 six, you knew they were pretty much done. I just I think, think that was that, huge. Let me ask you this, Danny. First half, there were a lot of penalties, man. Some were legit. Some may have been questionable. Do you still feel, though, that that was like the turning tide of the game, the fact that the referees really played a key role in the first half? It would have kept the game closer. Tampa Bay's defense was off the chain this game. Kansas City, with all the mistakes they were making and drops and everything, they still had a chance to at least stay in the game. And once they had that, like I said, that whole sequence at the end of the second quarter where Chris Jones hit one of the linemen, the linemen hit him, they called a penalty on Chris Jones. When Matthew had the pick and they called that that lame holding call. And even the one with Matthew in the end zone where they the ball was way over. I can't remember if he threw it to Gronk. I think it was to Gronkowski. And they called that and the ball wasn't even catchable. That's tough, man. And they got frustrated. You You could tell they were done. The defense was done after that. They, they're because that's their game. They're they're a physical team, but I think it would just make the game closer. I think Tampa Bay would have still won just based on how Kansas City's offense was playing and how Tampa Bay's defense was pressuring the heck out of them. So it just made a difference that way. But Tampa Bay had that game one. I don't think the penalties really made a difference. Quite honestly, uh, Kansas City. Yeah, they were flat, but, man, the way Tampa Bay's defense was balling, man, I don't think it would have honestly made a difference. Some of those calls were close, even though maybe some weren't catchable. It seemed like the foul was done way before 
uh, that one in the end zone. It seemed like it was the foul was actually occurred like right before the the touchdown line. Even though he continued down his route progression, I don't know. I guess I, I would really like to just seeing him them play. Let them be physical. Let them play, man. This is for the championship, man. Let them play. Yep. And agree. if they if it's a foul, legitimate foul after they kind of play, cool. I honestly believe the Kansas City Chiefs defensive backs backfield, they didn't make adjustments, man. Anytime you know that referees are really calling it tight, mm-hmm. you gotta make adjustments, man. And I just don't think Kansas City made adjustments well at all. There were a couple of times where they just got flat out burnt. Too. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be real. We're talking about a Kansas City defense that's ranked 16th in the league. So it wasn't like they were like all world. They honestly have just gotten by with with their offense. They're gonna have to make some changes when it comes to the offseason in terms of what they're gonna do defensively because their defense was really lacking. Uh, I think Fournette had an awesome game, man. He was running very physical, man. 16 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. He was just smash mouth footballing them all game. Uh, I think in listening to one of his post game press conferences, he said Tom Brady told him they don't tackle all that well in terms of uh, yards after contact. They don't do that well, yep. which is a sign saying, "Hey, run physical, mm-hmm. be aggressive. You can actually get some yardage out of them even after they touch you." So the more physical team was that of Tampa Bay. And I think Kansas City have all season relied upon their offense to get them out the jam. Oh, yeah. I agree, totally agree with that. <laughs> and Fournette, back to Fournette, he was running. <laughs> I ain't seen Fournette run like that since LSU. Come on, man. I was just about to say. <laughs> I mean, on, he was running with a purpose. I told you a couple of weeks ago, man, how much I really enjoy watching number 45, Devin White from LSU, who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. He had 12 tackles, eight solo tackles, had an interception, two mm-hmm. tackles uh, for a loss. He was just straight balling, man. The defense should have been that, MVP, Jason. The I'm defense, sorry? The def- they should have been oh. thinking out of the box and said, because Shaq Barrett had a great game. Levante David had a great game. Come on, man. Yeah. The whole defense had a great game. I know Tom Brady had three touchdowns. You know he was getting it. It was either him or Mahomes. If Kansas City won, Mahomes would have got it. But that defense, that would have been thinking out of the box. Give them the MVP. That defense was just wicked, man. Ty Bowles, that defense, man, kudos. If Ty Bowles does not get a head coaching job after next season, something is entirely wrong here. I was trying to think of potential jobs that may be available to Ty Bowles come the end of next season. Which means that I got, you know, was trying to predict who's going to be sorry next year. Bottom line, who already doesn't have a coach or new coach. Let me just kind of go down a list here and just really see who's going to really be sorry next year. So I honestly thought about the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy's uh, on borrowed time. He is on borrowed time, man. I don't think they're going to be all that great this year, man. Not unless they make a major move at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. and do some things uh, with their offense. Defense is, is legit. Their offense is whack. So I think Chicago Bears may have to, you know, consider Todd Bowles. Minnesota Vikings may have to consider Todd Bowles. If Zimmer don't do anything this year, 
it's time for change, man. Uh, I, I just, I really believe that. I'm going to tell you another team, man, the Giants. I mean, they started to turn around towards the end of the season. But if they don't do anything this upcoming season, I think it's time for a change, man. But those are really likely the only teams that, I, I mean, honestly feel that would make a coaching move. So we'll, we'll see what happens. The other thing that happened during this weekend was the announcement of the NFL Hall of Fame. Who actually got in? Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, Alan Fenneca, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and Tom Flores. I have to say this, Danny. We both got, obviously, Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson right. First ballot Hall of Famers. I know I had John Lynch going in, which was the right move to make. <laughs> Fortunately... You didn't have John Lynch, Danny. <laughs> nope, I switched it right at the when we taped the show. The surprise for the both of us, and we were texting each other when the announcement was being made. Calvin Johnson got in on the first ballot. Mm-hmm. That was actually a shock. Not a shock necessarily that he got in, but the fact that he got in on the first ballot. Keep in mind the individuals, the other receivers that were you know, a part of fi- uh, the finalist list here. You still had the likes of Tory Holt and you also had Reggie Wayne. When we made this decision, we thought, man, this is Calvin Johnson's first year of eligibility, first year on the ballot. He, We don't think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer compared to the other criteria. Or, well, we thought there was a criteria when it comes to wide receivers. There are many, many wide receivers who... Should have been first ballot Hall of Famers, i.e. Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. Easily first ballot Hall of Famers, but weren't first ballot Hall of Famers. Then you have Tory Holt here, who this is his seventh year of eligibility, his second year as a finalist. And for sure, I personally thought, well, I mean, we both thought that he was going to get in. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the same Tory Holt who actually has a uh, Super Bowl ring. I mean, his accolades are are tremendous. And then we have, you know, Calvin Johnson, who who did get in. Don't get me wrong. He, his resume is impressive. Yeah, I mean, he can play. He, he can play. He's a bad dude. I mean, he led the league in receiving yards, uh, 11,619 in touchdowns, 83 during the span of his career, and set the NFL single season record for receiving yards, 1,965 four yards in 2012. He's a three-time first-team All-Pro, a member of the 2010 All-Decade team, despite not playing in the decade's final four years. He finished his career second in NFL history with 86.1 receiving yards per game, but he he gets into the hall at the age of 35. This, to me, screams there needs to be a set criteria in selecting a Hall of Fame class it's all over the place man it is really all over the place like i said we mentioned to terrell owens we mentioned tory holt and he has a super bowl ring and he's been to two super bowls terrell owens been to one super bowl randy moss been to one super bowl megatron i.e calvin johnson never been to a super bowl i don't think he even really played they didn't, they didn't a, game. Win a playoff game but yeah he gets in on the first ballot 
I, obviously, right. Calvin Johnson was a game changer. He was he was a unicorn. He was like Julio Jones before Julio Jones, if you want to think it from my perspective. Just a big, physical, fast, great hands, great player, but. I don't get it, man. Uh, I just want to know better about the criteria. Drew Pearson, who should have been in the Hall of Fame uh, a long time ago, and he finally gets in. So happy for him. Uh, we agreed upon Alan Fenneco. We thought mm-hmm. he was going to get in. And then some of the other ones, Bill Nunn, he did get in. Congratulations. Same thing with Tom Flores, who I thought was already in, but uh, he should have been in a long time ago, Tom Flores. And it's funny because he has those commercials now. They (laughs) ask him, uh, he's sitting on a beach drinking, you know, a little beer. He's like, you're not in the Hall of Fame? How come you're not in the Hall of Fame? He shrugs his shoulders. That's some great marketing. Yes. That's some great marketing. So he got into the Hall of Fame. A little bit different than what listed what we initially anticipated, but I think we did pretty well overall in predicting who's going to get in the Hall. An interesting thing about the Hall of Fame, and I have to give props to the Cincinnati Bengals for catching this. It says here in the article, Cincinnati Bengals are upset that Ken Riley was forgotten in a uh, memorial statement of the NFL honors. Uh, the NFL honors is actually done on the day before the Super Bowl happened Saturday night. And they forgot about Ken Riley. That is a, such a special place in my heart personally, because Ken Riley attended my alma mater. Uh, he is a fellow Rattler of Florida A&M University. And I think that the Hall of Fame is doing Ken Riley such an injustice. Ken Riley should be in the Hall of Fame. Ken Riley spent his entire 15-year career with the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a three-time All-Pro, has 65 career interceptions, which still ranks fifth in the NFL history. He is tied with the new Hall of Famer, Charles Woodson. And the four players who are ranked ahead of Riley in interceptions is Paul Krause, Emlyn Tunnell, Rod Woodson, and Night Train Lane. All those individuals are in the Hall of Fame, and Ken Riley is not. I think that is such a travesty, and the Hall of Fame really needs to correct this and correct this immediately. If we're talking about putting the best in the Hall of Fame, then put the best in the Hall of Fame. Put Ken Riley in the Hall of Fame. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.